Big Red Revival. Welcome into the Big Red Revival Pod, Season 4, Episode 6. Uh, and what will go down as one of the most embarrassing losses for Nebraska football in the last 20 years. Nebraska falls to Oklahoma 49-14, to and a score that really wasn't as close as it seems. Uh, even at a 35-point a, a deficit, uh, there, it, uh, Oklahoma could have picked their number and beat us by 80 if they want to. Uh, shout out to Brett Venables for calling the dogs off us early um, because they could have picked their number and beat us by 80 if they wanted to. Um, with that, uh, with the, another second week in a row, the defense given up, you know, 500 plus yards, um, you know, another change that tell me, you know, tell me if you've heard this before, another change in the Nebraska football program was made, uh, Sunday, Mickey Joseph letting go of defensive coordinator, Eric Chenander, um, you know, after what, what is only described as the worst defense in power five history, uh, Nebraska ranks 127th in total defense, 113th in scoring defense. And those for you keeping track at home, I believe there's 133 teams in Division I football. So we are the bottom of the barrel in defense, and uh, defense could be st- described as nothing less than unwatchable. Um, there is no talent, no want to, no nothing on defense. There's nothing to hang your hat on over there. Usually when a defense is bad, it's usually a Pass defense is terrible. Rush defense is terrible. There's nothing going. We got two defensive uh, captains, excuse me, three defensive captains that have played absolutely dog shit football this year. Um, That's, um, you know, Caleb Tanner, you know, his fourth year starting in the program. And the next play he makes will be the first play he made for this program. Uh, Garrett Nelson still hasn't uh, played this season yet. So I think, well, maybe two plays. I think he's played. Um, he's got about and, as many tackles as Casey Thompson does. Yeah, and then Nick Heinrich, you know, it just he just ain't getting it done. Just ain't getting it done at all. Looks slow. Catch you got to say his name slower, too, because that would just be perfect to wait. Nick Heinrich. Heinrich. I think he Not missed, good. just like he does. Yes. So... <laughs> You know, it's never good when your your captains and supposedly your best players aren't showing up for you. But um, when you have a team that team like we currently do, um, there's no one that's really showing up. Um, you know, it's it's usually like, oh, well, this guy's playing good. This guy's had some spots, and and um, maybe there's a few on offense. Uh, maybe a couple of wide receivers. I think we think our running backs play have played well. Um, which you know to you know uh, add. Add injury to insult, uh, A.J. Allen's done for the season with uh, what appears to be a broken collarbone. And, and guys, uh, I hate to tell you, but 1-11 um, is on the table and is very much in play here. A 1-11 football season at the University of Nebraska is on the table. And if you're a bet man, there's a better chance of us winning one game than there is winning five games. So uh, buckle up, guys. Um I guess Zach, just the question is: Is this rock bottom for Nebraska football? Um, yeah, I believe that it is. Um, it's there's so many things that I want to say, and I, hopefully we can get to it. I don't know how much time we would have for that, but um, it's 
you know, we, I think we felt this way before we felt like this was rock bottom, but, um, this is absolutely it. You know, we, like you said, we've given up 1200 yards in two games and yeah, fine. One of them was Oklahoma, but the other was Georgia Southern. And, um, it's it's really to UAB this weekend. Yeah. It's, it's disheartening too, because, um, you know, the, the defense seemed to be the only real bright spot in the Frost era outside of a couple, you know, shining moments in for the offense in Frost's first year. But Shenander's crew, you know, consistently got a little bit better each year. I wouldn't, you know, hang my hat on that they were the black shirts by any means at any point in this, this whole experiment. Um, but last year they were respectable and they, they held us in the games and, you know, it goes to show you that we, we did have some dogs on that defense last year with, sure did. with Damian Daniels and Ben Stilley, and then back it up to Jojo, Jojo. and the two safeties, Cam Taylor, Taylor Britt. Britt, um, all those guys clearly were, were holding this whole unit together. And, and now it's just, we don't, we don't have anybody and now our, our supposed leader of, of the defense is going in a press conference and saying that, you know, we've been tagging up. For these last four years and we haven't really been tackling and then further comments come out that yeah i mean we've had some some old uh some past coaches coming into practice and you know i don't know how this wasn't spoken up louder to the people in the back before but um the only times that they ever witnessed tackling in practice or any sort of practice um, environment was in scrimmages and um you know i i heard an analogy today that you know, and and you'll be able to resonate with this, Taylor. Is um, if you you're into the UFC and boxing stuff, but um, if if a if a boxer accepts a fight and in the, his preparation leading up to that fight he doesn't spar at all, what do you think is going to happen to him in that fight? And and the, what I'm what what I'm, what I'm referencing is the fact that we we weren't tackling at all in practices, and and that's just that's inexcusable. I mean, how do you expect to have that? that mentality that frost kind of put on to the public eye this whole time he was here that you know we want to get back to the old ways of nebraska and then and you're not you're not you know preaching it to your own players and you know the old saying goes attitude reflects leadership and it you know play on the field reflected leadership and it has and there's not a coincidence that we're where we're at be, right now because because of who was in charge. And so, at, and to that point, I just feel I feel a little bit bad for Shenander. You know, you'd think maybe he stepped up and he could step up and say, "Hey, I want. I think we should be doing some tackling." But you know, as we've said for years, you know, Frost was always the smartest guy in the room. Always. And um, there, those those types of comments and suggestions were never welcomed by him. And so. Um, here we are um, trying to relearn how to tackle because apparently some of these guys haven't done it since high school. So um, we are where we are because of where our leadership put us. So yeah, it's it's tough. Yes, we are at rock bottom. Too. Yeah, and I I'm in agreement with you. I think this is rock bottom. And you may say, hey, I thought you said one and eleven is at play, and it's and yeah, one and eleven is at play. And I'm on their assumption under the assumption that we're going one and eleven. I mean. One in eleven is more likely than not. Um, unfortunately, at this point, um, you know we've shown zero lack to be able to do anything. Um, you know, and now the you know is starting to see it creep into our quarterback that we thought you know was able to thought you know was a decent thrower of the football, and now he's you know what's the little term he's seeing ghosts. I mean, he's getting hit countless times because Bryce Benhart 
which I don't know how you can go and watch film with your teammates and turn that shit on and not ask this guy to leave the fucking team. I mean, Taylor, he has he, no business being on the team. No business. He is, he is one ticket purchase away from just being another fan in that stadium. He just has a better view than he just got front row because seat. he's he's out there and he's just standing up and letting everything happen around him. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, if you go back and watch that film, that guy, I he's not giving any sort of effort. Right. I mean, he's not even getting an F. He's getting incomplete because yeah. he's not doing anything. Yeah, because, I mean, it's one thing when it's like, ah, uh, you know, you got beat around the corner, guy gripped and ripped you, fucking, you know. Uh, no, you didn't get a fucking hand on him. How are you How are you the goddamn starting right tackle and you're not getting a hand on somebody? And, and it's one thing you get beat around the corner. You're letting getting beat inside. I mean, it, I just I just don't know how how you can watch film with your teammates and look at them in the face afterwards after effort like that because, you know, you're watching film multiple times. You're looking at every play. Every play is wound back. I mean, how do you how do your teammates even respect you as a fucking man, honestly? Like, I want to be able to play football with a guy like that. If I'm Casey Thompson, I'm saying, this guy's got to go, okay? And, you know, and back on the quarter, or not onto the quarterback situation, Casey Thompson, I think, is probably a fine quarterback. He's probably, if you put him in the Pantheon, the Big Ten, he's probably in the top five, five, six guys in the Big Ten. But uh, with the offense line this terrible, it might be time to uh, let Logan Smothers play quarterback because Logan at least brings dynamic uh, legs to it because these guys ain't blocking nobody. Like I said, I mean, how bad do your backups have to be? That Bryce Benhard's been starting for two years and hasn't blocked a single fucking person. Usually, Fred gets the snap count. Can't get his hands on anybody. I mean, guys. I mean, it just. I, it's wait, hard. Wait. It's hard to respect respect that play at all. Like it's just. It's embarrassing for him. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Like, and we're in shotgun too. It's not like we're asking him to hold a block uh, while we're under center and, and doing a five to seven step drop. Right. You know, it's a lot of it's quick hitters too. And I mean, there was there was a play in um, in the Oklahoma game where I mean, he just I mean, Casey Thompson probably took two blinks of an eye, and there was somebody in his face. And yeah, um, the, it's the announcer is like, "Tell me if you heard this before, but another free runner, a free runner for those who don't know, is a a guy coming out the quarterback unblocked." Um, and there was countless free runners because um, the offense line has no idea what they're doing. They don't know the responsibilities. Royola, you know, you got to go, too. You should have been fucking fired, too. And you say, oh, you can't keep firing anybody. What the fuck does it matter? We're sitting here saying it. We're going 1-11. and 1-11, and and you have a new coach that this is one. Back up here. One, this makes Cam Jurgens look fucking even more of a stud because these guys were bad last year, but... This is, I mean, this is unacceptable. This is, this is, I mean, you would think that, you know, Millard, you know, one of the Millard schools or Bellevue West or West Side or whoever the top schools are, you know, high school wise, like they would fucking run drop shot around this goddamn line. This is pathetic. This is a pathetic attempt. And Royola, we only got you to bring your fucking nephew here. And, you know, Frost may have fucked that up himself, but, you know, you didn't have any college coaching experience anyways. You were a, I don't know, a low level assistant at the Bears. Who the Bears offense line is the worst in the NFL. So now you went from the worst offense line in the NFL to the worst offense line in the Big Ten. You have you got to go too. You know, fucking should have fired his ass too. But yep. uh, it's just, I mean, it's time to just clean total house. It's time to yep. go. And um, 
you know, it's it's just it makes me embarrassed to be from the state. Honestly, this fucking and effort out here. This is to embarrassing. Point, to your point about how you go and watch film too, and and it ties in with the Cam Jurgens comment as well. It's like, you know, part of what I remember about playing in college was we we watched film not as position groups, but as an offense or defensive unit. And so when you screwed up. You knew you were in an, an auditorium there with a big screen where everyone saw the same thing that you knew happened. You knew that you were going to see it. And you better have figured out by then when you're watching that, how you're going to fix it going forward. And there's just not any accountability in this program right now. And I think Cam Jurgens was the guy that was setting the right examples on film. For example, last year against Oklahoma, when he's driving a dude fifty yards down the field, sure he got a penalty. But if you're gonna ma- if you're gonna make a mistake and get a penalty, you you do that motherfucker. Full speed. Big. Yep, exactly. And do that full speed. We don't ha- we don't have a, a dog like that right no now. No dogs. And, and and Casey Thompson, even to your point, yeah yeah, you're getting knocked down and and you're. You're not loving your move to come here right now. It's oh, it's very apparent. <laughs> as you could see, you could see the wind completely out of his sails in this game. He didn't want to be playing any playing in this. He's game close anymore. to checking out. He's close to checking and, out. I, and I think he's about there. And yeah. that that kind of scares me too. Right. Um, but um, it's it's just like what we need and what we haven't been taught from leadership again is a guy to step up and doesn't have to be a rah-rah type of thing. It doesn't have to be rallying your troops and, and, you know, running your, running your mouth on the sidelines to get people fired up, make a play. Right. And it seemed to me that as things progressed against Oklahoma, Casey Thompson became less and less likely and willing to make a play. His feet became, started becoming solid in the ground. He wasn't trying to run around. He wasn't trying to get hit any more than he already was. And that, that's the type of thing that I saw early. I'm not going to, I, I have a list here of three people. I don't blame for this. He's on that. Right. But at the same time, if you want to be this leader and you want to make a difference, that's the types of players that step up and make a play. For example, Amir Abdullah against McNeese state. Yep. Nobody in that stadium, Husker players included want to be in, wanted to be in that situation. Amir's like, Give me the ball. I'll get us out of it. I'll get us out of here with a win, and we can move on. And we don't have anybody like that on our entire team right now. No, no, we we don't. And you know what? The problem is, is like I, I think that most Husker fans, myself included, we're on the page of. I think we have good running backs and good wide receivers and a good tight end. Like top top end of Big Ten wide receivers, running back, tight end. You know, top four. Um, the wide receivers are all, I think, pretty decent, pretty deep. Um, running backs, obviously, we just said A.J. Allen's done for the season, but Anthony Grant's fucking a dude. Um, Gabe Irvin reminded us all. That guy came in there late, and he wanted to play some goddamn football. Uh, you know, He's got ability. Was, yeah. The game was over, but, you know, mm-hmm. fucking he was still getting after it, and you can appreciate that. Um, so it's just – it's it's in the trenches that it's – and it just permeates to everything else. I mean, trenches on the offensive side, trenches on the defensive side. The defensive side, you're making our linebackers that looked, you know, like they're almost all Big Ten guys last year, Reimer and Heinrich, look like they shouldn't be playing football. I mean, every time I see uh, Heinrich or uh, uh, Reimer, they got a goddamn center or a guard 
pushed them 10 yards off the ball because our defensive line isn't eating up blocks, which is your main job of being a defensive lineman in a 3-4 system, which leads me to my next point of got to get out of the 3-4. Immediately, yeah. like especially in the big, we don't have the, we don't have the we don't have the horses to run a three four here. Yeah, like we don't have the horses. Their their job is to eat up blocks, and we don't have one guy that can eat up more than one block. And the and, scary thing is, it's only going to get worse in conference play as we see the likes of Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan. Michigan's going to just destroy. Oh, us. it's going to be another one of those fifty six to what was it fifty six three or fifty six ten though. Was that 2018 when we went to Michigan? They ran it I mean, up on us. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, that was that, that was I think Martinez's first or second year. But it's getting to the point where let's just go out there and just commit a really bad recruiting violation and just put basically a self-imposed death penalty on us for two years. Yeah, this season's over, guys. This, guy, this season's over. You know, for all intents yeah. and purposes, um, it's and which is sad because the Big Ten West is wide open, and there's not one fucking you know, world beater in the Big Ten West. Wisconsin's down this year. Iowa's down this year. Minnesota's a little bit better than usual. Uh, Northwestern's obviously down. They fucking beat us. Um, Purdue's d- a decent team. Um, it's just like, damn, this would be this would be a nice year where Nebraska could take a step forward. And in the trenches, Nebraska in the trenches can't hold up against the likes of Purdue, Iowa, Wisconsin, Northwestern. It's Georgia ab- Southern. Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern pushed around. North Dakota, whether we won that game or not, anybody that watched the fucking game knows that Georgia Southern, uh, I mean, North Dakota pushed us around. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it's it's tough, man. This is, this is, this is as bad as team as I've seen. Um, and I, I hope Mickey can keep it together because I think he's got a fair shot to uh, – you know, the land this job and but he's gonna need to win three three of these last eight games at minimum um yep. to to be a to be an actual candidate. Yeah. Um, and I agree and I, that and I, I referenced it already, but yeah, there there's three people I don't blame for all of this, one of them being Casey Thompson, even though, you know, he might have he might have clocked out for the for the year and yeah. I mean honestly rightfully so. I hate to see it and but and then the other two are, are Mickey Mickey Joseph and Trev Alberts because if there's one silver lining to all of this whole scenario, it's at least we have a guy in Trev Alberts in charge that has the balls to make this kind of decision. Right. And he understands the difference between right and wrong. You're not going to have to worry about him belly up at a bar anywhere and having that bad public publicity. The guy is a revered athlete and linebacker and player from Nebraska. He's, he's got all the right qualities. He's got, he says all the right things. He's a, I mean, clear fit for for this job and what what it entails and what it needs. And so, that being said, I think that I think we're in good hands there. But boy, I mean, I'm sure he's th- thinking back, looking at UNO, like that wasn't so bad now. But right. I don't know, if, you know, like money, like we've talked about, money can't buy happiness, and this is a very good example of that because right. he's uh, he's he's got an uphill battle ahead of him. Yeah, uh, yeah, it does. Um, you know, this bye week is obviously coming at a great time. Um, you know, we got an Indiana team coming in here, and Indiana's record said th- says three and zero. They're going to be your lowest, your worst three and zero team uh, in the country. Uh, coming into Nebraska for a night game, it's a six thirty kickoff, um, and you're kind of you, this is going to be a good opportunity to see what kind of coach uh, Mickey Joseph is. Um, you know, you got ten days. 
you got rid of your defensive coordinator. You've made some changes. You're probably going to see some personnel changes on the field too because obviously, guys, you know, we blame it all on the coaches. And, you know, the coaches, Frost mainly, is who brought these fucking guys in here. So a heavy majority of it is on Frost and the coaching staff for their recruiting efforts and their recruiting misses. I mean, how come it's every time we get a top-end guy, they ain't worth a shit, you know? I mean, to, because take of the a look at the, the, be- place. the best player in the country right now is Brock Bowers, the tight end from Georgia. Brock Bowers, guess who he is rated below? Thomas Fedoni. Thomas Fedoni, fucking, so we get the number one rated player in the country, and he's played zero snaps, and now the guy rated behind him is the best player in the country. Like, why does that happen to us? Like, why does that happen to us? If you guys haven't seen Brock Bowers for at Georgia, he's a bad motherfucker, okay? Just like, like the rest of them there. Yeah, exactly. And and just look at the rankings. Thomas Fedoni is better than he is. He was a higher rated player in high school than him. And we get the number one guy. Georgia gets the number two guy. And the number two guy is the best player in the country, and our guy hasn't played a snap. It, it's just like it's, it's, it's on number two season in ending injuries. Exactly. We're I mean we're snake bit. I mean yeah. like we probably don't ever see Thomas Fedoni. I mean I'm probably getting up out of here if I'm him. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if I'm him, I'm getting. I mean, I'm, well, I'm trying to get healthy, which obviously has been his that's biggest tough. issue. That's but tough for him though I'm, because he's coming off of two season ending injuries, so you might as well ride with who right. who's paying you. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I don't so, know. That's it. But it's just things like that. It's, you know, the Turner Cochran's the, you know, this guy was yeah. the highest. Ty Robinson's you know, all of a sudden. Yeah. Ty Robinson, you know, uh, Nick Saban came to his school during signing week, you know, to try to get that last second push. And now. Uh, he played in the Army All-American game. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, Turner Cochran. And I think Ty Robinson's a decent player. Turner Cochran's not mm-hmm. a, even a decent player. Turner Cochran's a bad player. Okay, and that guy was a. Uh, you go look at rivals or twenty four seven. Turner Cochran's in a, our top five highest ever recruited players to sign with Nebraska, and he shouldn't be on the field. It's like it's just like why does this happen to us? Like what what are we missing here? Is it are we just snake bitten or I I just I don't know I don't know what to say. It's it's tough. But you're you know going back to your point about the the zero dogs. We don't we need somebody that's you know going to be getting after it, you know, whistle to whistle and, a, you know, a smidge after the whistle, you know, borderline going to get in a fist fight with somebody every single play. we got a bunch of teddy bears up front, a bunch of all bus team members and no dogs, no dogs, nobody you want to, oh, if, you know, last guy you want to see in an alley type guys, like all these guys are soft, man. They're all soft. They're all probably good guys. Hit. They're all probably good guys, do good in the community and have going to go on, have successful lives, do, but we need some absolute dogs in this team, and we have because we're zero. not hitting in practice, Taylor. I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. I mean, if you if you're not doing it day in day out, how are you going to do it on the big stage and with with big time talent? Yeah, you know, lining up against you. It's and a, another example. I usually, I don't try and do this too much, but another example is like as a quarterback, and you're you're getting ready for a season and. Um, you know, you go through fall or, uh, you know, spring, spring practice and, and summer workouts and fall camp. One of your main concerns going into that first year or first, first game is, uh, that first time you really get popped. Right. Because you, you almost forget what it feels like, you know, as a quarterback, because, you know, you, you got the, you got the red Jersey on, you're not getting hit. And then once it happens, it's like, okay, now, now I remember this, but, for defenders and for offense and defensive linemen, if they're not 
getting that, you know, each week and reminding themselves how much of uh, a battle this is right. um, with opponents, it's it's not going to become habit for them. It's not going to become something that they're used to. That's something they can go out and they can dictate when that ball is snapped, because that's that's what we're running into is like you said, we, we got a bunch of teddy bears out there and guys that just stand up and let the play happen around them and might as well be spectators. Right. Um, and it's it's just it, it has started from the top to the bottom. And now we're seeing all of this come out. Um, and it's it's just infuriating because it all could be avoided. And somebody said on the ticket today, they were like, it just feels like, you know, we've been betrayed by one of our own. And, and that's exactly right. And the, the, the term used car, car salesman came snake out. Snake oil salesman. He's a snake yeah, that, oil that's salesman. That's what you that's said. What but I've, today I've, on Go back Steve and look Taylor three, three, three seasons ago. I called Scott Frost a snake oil salesman. Yep, you did. And fucking and Steve, shirt rings true. Steve Taylor called into the, the show uh, today and um, he, he was talking about it. And he was like, you know, um, you guys used that phrase. And, 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 and they were like really defensive. They're like, we didn't use it. Frost came in here and told uh, all the media and all the fans and all his players, I'm not going to come in here and be a used car salesman. And that's what he was. He was living rent-free here. And now, you know, he, he finally looks like he's taking strides in the right direction um, this year by stepping back and being a quote-unquote CEO type of role. And what happens the first sign of struggle he comes out with the play sheet in the second <laughs> half of Northwestern and calls an onside kick when we have the momentum. <laughs> and they said it best. They, they go, he's betting with other people's money and he's been broke for years. Yikes. Yikes. And, and that's exactly how it all happened. Yep. It's like that guy, he was so power hungry and just thought he was the smartest guy in the room. And they say, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. It's time to find a new room. It's fucking, and those are the facts. He needs to be in a room by himself right. for a while. He needs to be, put himself in self-inflicted timeout and just take a break because he came in here and he did further damage than even Mike Riley did. Oh my goodness! I, I because you know I, we don't have anybody on our team that's worth a shit. I mean, we we we, we, don't we have would be in such gonna, a better position if Mike Riley would have stayed our coach over Frost right now. We would we, be in t- such a. Do you, do you remember the QB room when he left? I mean, the QB room was talented. You got POB, you got fucking Jebbia, you got uh, uh, Lee. You know, like all all decent guys, and he was recruiting at a decent level. And guess what? He wasn't embarrassing us. You know. It wasn't embarrassing us. This is embarrassing. This makes me embarrassed to be from the state of Nebraska. Hell, nonetheless, be a fan of this team. I mean, it's it's uh, it's rough out here, man. It's really yeah, rough and, out here. And Scott Frost, I mean, I think I said this last week, Scott Frost just scoffed at the idea of going to a bowl game at 5-7. and seven. Oh, yeah. Mike Riley took us to one and beat a better UCLA team. Exactly. And what did Josh that lead Rosen us to? What did that got, lead us into the next year? What did we do to start the next year? We started seven and seven and up. We, we were top in ten top team. ten. And you know how many weeks uh, Scott Frost had us ranked in his in his four and a, four and a quarter year? One. Yeah, that was preseason. No, it was after we beat Colorado. We never beat Colorado. Oh no no no! It was going into Colorado. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's when we went into Colorado for your. We were there for your bachelor party. We right. were ranked in that game, and we were up seventeen to three at half, and. Got beat. Guess what? We found <laughs> got a way to fucking lose. beat. Got fucking beat. Let, I mean, let a just, flea flicker beat us. It's um, 
This is bad as it's, it gets. It's as bad as yes, I've seen it. It is. Like, it, it's, this is way worse than the Callahan years. This is way worse than Mike Riley. This is bad as it gets. And I am pulling for Mickey to get this right. And this game, this next game uh, against Indiana, if it's going to tell you all we didn't know about Mickey. And I'm fucking pulling for this guy to get it right. He's got, and, you know, I think a lot of the fans got, uh, you know, the hopes kind of up, you know, coming in this week. And it was like, what did, you know, and I'll be one of them too. You know, I throw myself in there too. Like, what did, what did I really expect? What did we really expect Mickey to be able to do in fucking six days, five days? You know, like, it just, yeah, it's, it probably had our hopes a little too high. And like I said, my hopes wasn't winning the game. It was just coming out and looking looking like he cared, looking like he had a little bit more discipline, a little more want to. And unfortunately, we got none of that. Uh, well, outside of the first three minutes of the game where, you know, we actually held him to a four and out and then a punt. And then we went down and scored right away. And you're like, oh, shit, here we go. And uh, and then three minutes later, the game's over. So well, and and for him too, he came out in the post game presser and was like, "This is on me." Yeah, and that was uh, weird. And yeah, he yeah, exactly. It's like he he's got a playbook of what not to do as the head coach at Nebraska. Right. I mean, just <laughs> anything and everything that Frost did or said, just yeah. do the opposite. Yep. But um, and then and then they uh, interview um, Miles Farmer, Farmer, which I alluded to earlier. And, and they asked him about, hey, you know, your your coach, Coach Joseph, came out and said um, he's taking the blame. And he goes, that's what he's supposed to say. Everybody, you guys, us, we all know it ain't on him. Yeah, we all know. We all yeah. know. And, and absolutely. And then he comes out um, today um, for his presser and says, the reason I said that is because and he had a reason. He said, I should have slowed down the game. And he should You know, the thing is, he's absolutely right. Because, and it, obviously, the game's, well, it's not on him. But, you know, he came out today and told us, gave us gave us example. Hey, you're right. I should have slowed down the game. You know, Oklahoma was scoring at will. We needed to slow down and limit their possessions. And it's like, yeah, exactly. That is exactly what should happen. You're right. But he's just taking responsibility for it. And then he's giving you a reason and a, showing you an example of what he could have did and what he missed out on. Not fucking Frost, you know, well, the guy punted it 40 yards off the mark or fucking uh, offensive coaches got to be more creative in this league. Or it was, oh, I should have I should have slowed down the, you know, uh, slowed down the possessions, limited the possession, aka run the ball a little bit more, eat up some clock and just slow shit down because things were yep. moving too quick. And we weren't going to get in a shootout with those guys because they were Brent Venables. I mean, I've se- I've seen Brent Venables' defense do that to Ohio State. Okay, so Brent Venables' defense is is top notch. Okay, like if you it, you know was four years ago when Clemson beat uh, beat Ohio State in the college football playoffs thirty one to nothing. He went out there and did that to an Urban Meyer led Ohio State team. Okay, so this isn't just some run-of-the-mill new, you know, up-and-coming coach. This guy has been around the block and knows what the hell he's do, doing. And that goddamn defense was flying around the ball and beating our guys the fuck up. Um, so it's, uh, you know, like I said, and coming into the game, Brent Venables, man, I, I honestly can't have much, you know, so much. I have so much positive things to say. Like just coming into the game, he was just so respectful of the program. He's like, you know, this is. Uh, you know, the fans there and the team, the tradition there, like this is top notch, you know, as a team, we need to cherish this moment and embrace it and all of this. And he called the dogs off of us when he could have ran it. Mm-hmm. He could have ran it the fuck up on us. And he didn't. 
shout out to Brett Venables, man. You will have you've got my respect, sir. So, yeah. Um, and yeah, real quick, last thing on Mickey Joseph. It's like that should should just be like a blueprint for every coach's like approach going into a press conference, whether it's good or bad. And the the equation is it, it's accountability plus knowledge equals eliminating speculation within the program. Right. If you, if you're accountable and you have a knowledgeable way to explain it or answer a question, there's not going to be all this, this hoopla and speculation with fans, media, you know, players, whatever it is, it's, it's going to make you look um, more credible. It's going to make you look like, you know what you're doing. Yeah, it's going to make you look like, you look like, like a professional. Right. It, yeah. It makes, it makes you look like a professional and it's something we haven't seen in a while. Um, and what, whether it was, you know, even going back, Mike Riley, Bo Pelini, Bo Pelini would just fire back, but at least he won. Um, but that's neither here nor there. I just think that a little more of that. Um, and I think no matter what, whoever is coaching for us next season, um, is going to take everything that has happened under the frost era and, and do the opposite. Cause you've already started to see it with Mickey Joseph and, and some of the things he's done, for example, being out greeting each player as they come into practice, like, Hey, I'm on time. I'm here. I'm here to coach you. I mean, just little things like that, that, that kind of raise energy and raise trust within the program, you know, practice by practice, week by week, whatever it is. So I don't yeah. know. It's just, yeah. It's it, not it, really it's a, that hard, but when you have other motives and other alternatives like Frosted, where your 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 primary um, I don't know whatever whatever he was doing, it, it just wasn't focused on his job in Nebraska. Yeah, so I, I guess kind of just seeing this, uh, you know, we're obviously one game into the post Scott Frost era. Um, did has your opinion kind of changed on what you're looking for or who you're looking at as potential Knicks coach? I guess the one thing that kind of took me back was, you know, obviously there's rumors of speculation and everybody's there to admire this. I don't think it's a real, I don't think he's a actual viable candidate. And if he is fucking, I am, I'm all about taking him. People are like, well, you know, what if he's only here three years? Like, so fucking what if he's only here three years? Like we got to get around this thing that coaches are going to be around for like, Times have changed. There's no more Tom Osborne's, Bobby Bowden's, Paternos, these guys that were at programs for 20, 30, 40 years. It's kind of like it's kind of like careers. Like people, like my parents both worked the same job for 33 and 35 years. That's not happening to our age group anymore. Like there's nobody that's staying at companies that long. Um, and the same thing with coaches. So if you get three to five years out of them, as long as they're good years or you've improved or showed some kind of progress, then that's all that really matters. Um, so like I said, I don't think – Urban Meyer is a real candidate, but I was a little taken back and kind of surprised about how uh, much uh, the big noon kickoff and Fox kind of leaned into that whole narrative. I mean, it was, I mean, that was open the show. I mean, it opened the show with, hey, hey, uh, Herbs, you trying to come here? You know, what's going on? The fans are, you know, hollering for him. They've got signs, you know. Of course, our fucking state spokesman, you know, your boy Larry you Campbell mean, got You it. mean mascot? Yeah. And, and you know what? I was so Larry. I wasn't the Larry Cable guy guy, and I hate. I, I think it's a, a bad representation of the state because it's kind of just not because he's a bad guy, but it just kind of feeds into the perception of Nebraska, you know. And you know, we've met him. We remember we met him that one day out golfing, and yep. 
I didn't even see him all of a sudden. He just came over and started chopping up. So super solid dude. Nothing against him all, at all. I forgot all about that. Remember we saw him? He just yeah, said, all of a sudden, I'm like, Creek. who's talking to me? And yeah. I turned over. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, shit, it's Larry the Cable. Yeah, he, fucking, he was very nice. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Real he cool didn't guy. have that twang in his voice either. Exactly. He was being normal. And he wasn't like putting on shoe. He was just shooting yeah. shit, talking golf and talking beers. So yeah. um, it just... It just kind of feeds into that narrative of Nebraska, like, yeah, this is who we are. As Larry the Cable Guy is the, you know, basically the poster child for Nebraska. Uh, but you know, he came up there and, hey, Urban, I brought you a blank check. So it was, uh, it was kind of a all in on Urban thing, and I think Urban was kind of feeding into it. And during the broadcast, it it kind of seemed like Urban was on a like a job interview. You know, like it felt like he was kind of leaning into it too. But um, outside of Urban Meyer, what's after? You know, for seven, ten days in, whatever. Where, where's your kind of head at on what you're looking for in a coach or coaching type or coach in general? Yeah, I mean, um, I just saw right before we got on here, um, somebody with a check mark on Twitter said it's narrowed down already to three people, and that is Lance Leopold, no, Leopold, um, Matt Campbell, no, and Bill O'Brien, yes, um. I don't know where I'm at, um, but I, I to, back to your point real quick, um, you know, you were talking about how we, we're looking for coaches for three, four, you know, beyond that years. And that time's over. Like we know, um, the, you know, the transfer portal in general has just has created a, a feeling of there is no existence of loyalty in this, in this sport anymore. Right. It's just, whatever is going to get me to the top quicker. We're all mercenaries. Uh, and so with, with that being said, you know, we're, we're in an unfortunate spot because we're, we're not clicking on any cylinder. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're not in a good spot to hire a big name um, at this point, but where I'm at is um, I just, I don't think that we need to look for somebody that has a connection to the program. Nope. Um, I, I do think we need to look for somebody with head, head coaching experience. Um, and I think we need to look for somebody who has a true identity and a plan around that identity. Um, because you look at Nebraska over since Solich left, you know, he left us post Osborne and it, we were still in the option, you know, we're fresh off of, uh, Crouch um, went in the Heisman and we bring in Callahan and he's going to bring in this, you know, shiny new toy of a West Coast offense. Didn't work. Then we go to Bo, pro style, defense mind, change it up. We go to Mike Riley, pro style, didn't work. And then we go um, and then we go to uh, to Frost, right. who came in with that high flying type of mentality and abandon and broke and do, don't break defense. And it's like, we need to settle on something here because, you know, we're not, we're not going to establish, you know, a core, you know, skill, skill set within our players. If we don't settle on something and we keep shifting focus, because like you said, you know, we brought in a three, four um, set for, for defense now. And chances are, whoever comes in next is not going to run that. And so we're going to be, we're going to be playing catch up again. Right. Um, and so somebody who's going to come in and, you know, have the, have that identity and stick to it and not, not go to the, the panic packages like Frostwood. 
um, and, you know, put in Luke McCaffrey at IBAC or, or Wandale at IBAC and <laughs> hope that they can just make a play for him because they're the best, they might be the best athlete on the field. Right. Um, we need to like have somebody that's going to, you know, stay true to their beliefs and to their knowledge, knowledge base and, and just stick to it. Here's what we're doing. Yeah. Stop it if you can. And if you can't, you know, we'll work on it and, and grow, but right. I, we're, no, no panic element in, in that. And so that's who I hope I'm not going to, I don't know that I can really throw out a name necessarily because it's so early in the process. And I really, really hope that we take our time with this and yeah. we don't make, we don't make a hire until after Thanksgiving when our season is inevitably over. Yeah. And I, I don't believe that he's narrowed it down to three people. I mean, no, you, need, I don't you need to interview yeah. 10, you know, mm-hmm. you need to talk to 20 interview 10 and then start weeding it down. And yeah, you shouldn't be at three people. I, I'm not in on the Kansas and the Iowa State coach, the Leopold and the Matt Campbell. I'm not. I'm not in on those guys at all. Um, I, I'm. You know, like I said, I think Mickey Joseph. I think he's. You know, he gets to dictate fucking whether he gets the job or not. Like, you know, the results are going to speak for themselves. This is a results-oriented business, and he gets the chance to you know stake his case. So I think Mickey obviously needs to be a candidate because one, we know that he will be able to come and recruit. Uh, you know, I just saw a Saturday, uh, granted the Cardinals made a miraculous comeback, but, uh, you know, um, Cliff Kingsbury and had Arizona, uh, Arizona Cardinals, uh, he's going to be fired this season. So, um, Mickey Joseph's brother, Vance Joseph is the defensive coordinator there. Um, I think that would make a lot of sense bringing him, his brother in. And you know that those dudes would be able to one flip a roster because, you know, today on, I was listening to Sipple. Uh, he said that, uh, you know, we're going to be down to uh, 40 scholarship players after the season, you know, transfer-wise, uh, yeah. with all the transfers. So, for those of you who don't know, we have 85 scholarship players. Um, so, he's thinking more than 50% of the players are going to be, le- be leaving via the transfer portal. So, you're going to need somebody that can come in and flip a roster and recruit and bring people in. And I think a guy like Mickey and, you know, uh, and his brother could come in here and flip this roster and bring in some new guys and, you know, uh, sell the program, sell themselves and sell the program. Um, outside of that, uh, I'm looking for a guy that's a disciplinarian, you know, a guy that's not, not your friend. He's your coach, you know, they, you know, oftentimes, you know, I think Frost is trying to be too friendly with his players and, you know, it just brings me back to something. My dad just, I mean, fucking always told me, I'm not, I'm not your friend. I'm not one of your friends, boy. I'm your dad. And you know, he just he just constantly pounded that in my head, like I'm not your friend, I'm your dad, and there needs to be a you know a a stark difference in the two, you know, like and Bo, like somewhere along Bo, like he was that way where it's like most of his players didn't love him until they were gone, and then they could appreciate what they did for him. And a lot of people have dads and stuff like that. That was the way my dad was, where it's like it took me getting out of the house and being away for. It's like, oh shit, yeah, I know what you're saying. Like you're right. Like I now I, I it took me to be out of the situation to respect you know what you did. Um, so like a disciplinarian guy, a guy like Bill O'Brien um, that you talked about earlier. I mean that guy went into a way worse situation than uh, we have here at Nebraska. I mean, he stepped into a Penn State program that just went through the worst thing any program, any institution, any anything can go through, and that's a you know a child uh, molestation scandal. Um, mm-hmm. He stepped into Penn State and was able to um, not turn the program around. It wasn't like Penn State was a bad program, but able to get th- weed through that and turn that program into you know a semi-successful program, a respectable, respectable. program, you know yes. a nine eight nine win program. 
Um, so obviously he's got head coaching experience. He came, he was offensive coordinator and the, for the Patriots for Tom Brady in New England. Then he was a head coach for the um, the Texans, and now he's over there and his you know. <coughs> We're all fired coaches go to get their rehab at. Uh, he's over there working for Saban right now in Alabama. So a guy like that. And then the guy I mentioned the first week, uh, Gary Patterson, um, you know, a, a proven power five um, winner um, and kind of gets us back to where he's he's currently the D.C. at Texas. Obviously, their defense looks great. Um and can get us back to that Texas recruiting base that we fucking so solely miss. I mean, we've really missed that uh, Texas recruiting base. Um, so that's the guys I'm looking at. Um, I'm sure there will be some others that pop up, but um, I'm just I'm not on the, the Kansas uh, Lee Polt and the Iowa State uh, Matt Campbell guys. But I'm looking for somebody that's going to come in and be a disciplinarian and get these fucking kids under wraps, you know, and let them know he's there to mean business. He's not there to be their fucking friend. Um, that's what we need. So, yep. um, you know, Riley was a good guy, friendly, fucking uh, Frost. You know, he's trying to go out and party with the kids. It's like we need somebody that it's a no-nonsense guy, um, you know, and I think I think he would provide that. So um, somewhere along those lines is what I'm looking for for Nick's coach. But, you know. What are, you, what are your thoughts on um, the Bill, Bu- Bill Bush move? Um, well, it's – I, well, I didn't know that. I didn't know his whole background, and I was just kind of listening to the Simple Show on the way here, yeah. and Jake Sorensen or whatever. Um, and he's been a Power Five DC before. Um, I was unaware. Uh, apparently, at Rutgers and uh, Wisconsin, um, mm-hmm. he unfortunately he was the guy that gave up the fifty-nine nothing uh, Big Twelve <laughs> Big Ten title game uh, to Ohio State. You know, a couple of years back. Well, we but, know that it just happens. I mean, that also is one of the fucking most talented Ohio State teams ever. I mean, yeah. you know, we got Michael Thomas and Zeke and, you know, Cardell and all those guys. I mean, just nothing but fucking. He was also the safeties coach at LSU when they won the Natty, too. Okay, so clearly he's got, got experience. Um, and you, you, when you hear anybody talk about him, they always talk about him in a high, respectable manner. So I'm fine with it. Um, I, I'm wondering if he's going to make some wholesale changes. Obviously, I'm assuming there's going to be some personnel changes, which we need to do with the linebackers. I mean, we've got four linebackers that are fucking all the exact same person between Reimer, Henrik, um, Gifford, and then Klarvik. I mean, they're just they're four of the same fucking people. You know, it's like it, it's we can't have all four of those guys playing. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> we need some run stoppers in there, and those guys are all. You know, uh, a little light in the ass, as I've been saying. Um, not, you know, come up and plug a hole. Um, they're they're guys that are catching blocks, and once a big lineman gets up on them, they're in some trouble. So, um, we we need to get a different front. And people are saying, well, we run mostly a four man front. Yeah, but we run a four man front with like Caleb Tanner as the defense. You know, up there where he, you know he's all of two thirty. Um, we need to change fronts um, to help our linebackers out. And yeah, and yeah, that that to my point, or then that's right right to where I was going to because um, I, I believe I don't know if it's necessarily going to be a reality, but what should happen is this week should be treated as a mini fall camp. Yeah, um, it Tryout. needs to be it needs to be balls to the wall. I literally have tryouts written down right here, Taylor. So that's funny. Um, it literally needs to be balls to the wall. I mean, 
I, I, I mean, I know that they, they have outlawed for whatever reason that the Oklahoma drill, but they need to find a, a loophole right. into doing something similar to that. And they need to sift out the, the dudes that want to play the dudes that want to hit and want to tackle from the pussies that we've seen yep. because um, number zero, yeah, it, number every, zero every job, every job needs to be on the line. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not even talking about the players. I'm talking about the coaches. I'm talking about the fucking trainers. Yeah. I don't care. Duval, whoever's we're not, looking at whoever's you. not hustling, whoever's not do, pulling their weight, yep. whoever's not holding others accountable. Get them out of there. Set them on the sidelines for the rest of the year, and let them let them hop into the portal where thousands of players go yep. every year to die. They because do. that's that's what has to happen. And you, and then you look at it from what I what I started this off with, how we haven't been tackling. What in the what are we doing with all those uh, walk ons that we have? One hundred and fifty <laughs> players. Uh, we, you're telling me to, we don't have two separate scout teams that could run out there and run the plays that the other teams, and we can't just light them up. I mean, look at the scenes from the movie Rudy. How did he make the team? He got lit up for four years or two, three years or whatever and made the team because he was tougher than everyone else and, and showed the most effort. And, like, if we want to, you know, hold our walk-on program tried and true as we always have, like make it mean something then like make them go in there and, and, and get, get tackled. Like let our, let our first and second stringers go in there and, you know, hit them like they would in a game because right. that's, I mean, that's what we're missing. And and clearly we're, we're not seeing as many walk-ons, you know, join the party as we, we used to. It's it, And that's probably because why too, because we're, they're not, they're not seeing that game time type of, uh, um, type of experience when they're in practice too. It's like, right. if we're all just playing two hand touch goes <laughs> back to the, the sparring um, example. It's like, and then to that point, it's not happening. <laughs> I just, I, if you listen to Mickey Joseph today, they're getting a day off on Friday. Yeah. And, and, and that's why they're soft. Yep. There and shouldn't be a day off. I don't care. Well, look at where we're at. It is code red to a million extent. Like, why are they getting a day off? What have they like? If I take a day off, I feel like I I earned it, right? <laughs> or it's a holiday, yep. and there ain't no holiday this weekend. No, no, there ain't. And so it's like they and, and on top of that, they should have a full speed scrimmage on Saturday. Yep, they shouldn't. I mean, they, they go to a cornfield, cut off the corn. Harvest that shit and make them play on that. <laughs> that shit's fucking dried up out there. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Yeah. Like, then let them let them get scraped up. Let them yeah. get bruised up. Let them let them get cut. Find out who wants care. to play football. Find out who wants to play some. Yes, football. exactly. Bottom like, line. I mean, and, and, and you the, know, if the biggest Mickey, fraudulent statement Frost ever made was, "We'll go play in yeah. Afghanistan or whatever he said." Yeah. I can't even remember the name of the country. But he won't but, fucking go play in a fucking bowl game, you know? Because he it's won't time even for show vacation. up to meet a meeting. Yeah. It's like, give me a break. You man. know, if I'm Mickey, and, you can go. You step in there the next practice day, and and this is true. Whether we want, like, believe it or not, all the season goals are still on are available. Okay, that's 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 the that's the scary part. The goals that we set out to at the beginning of this season are still alive and fucking very well because the goals wasn't win the national championship. The goals was to win the Big Ten West. And we've only played one game in the Big Ten West. Granted, it was a sorry-ass Northwestern team we got beat. But like we said before, no team in the Big Ten West looks like world beaters. 
Um, so you're getting into you've got a week off before you play a a not great Indiana team at home underneath the lights, and it starts there. You can sell that. Every every one of your season goals is still available right now. As bad as everything has been, and it's been fucking bad, all your season goals are still available and well within reach. Well within reach. I mean, Wisconsin plays Ohio State this weekend. Um, Iowa has to travel to Rutgers. That's going to be a fucking punting contest. All your goals are still out there in front of you because there's, there's nobody in this Big Ten West that should scare anybody, even this sorry-ass Nebraska team. So... Your goals are still available, and everything is still obtainable that you wanted to do at the beginning of the season. You mm-hmm. go out there and sell then We're making some changes. If you don't want to be here, get the fuck out. Everybody that's ready to play some football, be here Monday morning, ready to fucking go to work. And let's go. And that's yep. that's how you fucking sell it. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you can't do that, it's going to weed out some people. But it's those, those are just the facts. Like I said, as bad as it's been, all goals are still obtainable. So... Um, I'm looking, you know, I'm looking to see what this team looks like in Indiana because this this Indiana game will tell us all we need to know about um, this team and this. Uh, it, it maybe even tell us what we need to know about Mickey. Um, so, you know, home game underneath the lights uh, against a you know a team that we feel like are least as talented as. Um, it's it's going to tell us a lot. So uh, yep. Zach, that's all I got, man. You got anything else? I fucking I didn't want to talk this goddamn long, but you know, no, it's it's all good. Um, no, I, I would just say that you know, Mickey Joseph, if you're listening and you need two guys to come give a little inspirational speech and right. get your boys fired up, holla, holla, Husker Nation. We'll see you next week. Indiana underneath the lights, fucking jobs on the line. Go Big Red. This is the Big Red Revival.